Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to our podcast with Choctaw Behavioral Health, a talk among professionals. Ogla e Maya. Okay, we are here. Joy Rodriguez is a licensed master social worker at Choctaw Behavioral Health, and she will be our host today. Go ahead, Joy. Thank you, Claire. Today we will be continuing from last week and talking about National Recovery Month. Joining us today will be Claire Stewart. Claire is a peer support specialist at Choctaw Behavioral Health. We also have Dr. Gordon, who is a psychiatrist at Choctaw Behavioral Health. National Recovery Month is celebrated every September to increase awareness and understanding of mental and substance use disorders and to also celebrate the people who recover. Drug addiction is a disease that affects both the brain and behaviors. In 2018, an estimated 164.8 million people aged 12 and older in the U.S. were past month substance users. Of those, 139.8 million reported using alcohol, 58.8 million reported using a tobacco product, and 31.9 million reported using an illicit drug. Also, in 20, also 20.3 million people 12 and older had a substance use disorder related to their use of alcohol or illicit drugs. Substance abuse is a real problem in the country, but there are options to help with some of the challenges that addiction can bring. Well, you know, actually, this National Recovery Awareness Month is something which is near and dear to my heart because actually, uh, 31, well, 30 years ago when this started, or 31 Septembers ago, I was a first-year medical student, and actually the idea of the treatment of uh, addiction as a medical model was really unheard of at that time. And the numbers that you point out there are astounding that 120, 130 million people have used some type of substance within the last month there. The truth of it is is that many of the people do not have problems, and they're most likely using alcohol or tobacco in socially reasonable ways, and it's not necessarily to the point of a disease or addiction, mind you. But still, I still remember as a first-year medical student that the idea that addiction was not just people lacked will or that they were bad people, but there was a medical basis to this really important to me because what I think this month really wants uh, people to know that for patients and families uh, who have mental health problems and substance use disorders that there, first of all, there is help available. And this is sponsored by the uh, Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, uh, Choctaw Behavioral Health Department. And for our listeners there, if you're eligible for services at uh, Indian Health Service, our telephone number is 601-389-4150. Again, Choctaw Behavioral Health, 601-389-4150. And again, we we want to let you know that help is available. And second, treatment works. You know, we we hear about the success stories, and it's important that we share that because for some people and doctors and healthcare providers, I will tell you that some have a negative outlook. But treatment absolutely can work. And then finally, that we want you to know that recovery recovery is possible. Yes, thank you, Dr. Gordon, for that. That is so um, true. Recovery is possible, and there is treatment available. So, Dr. Gordon, I'm going to start with you. Could you discuss some of the medications and interventions used to help abstain from using while in recovery? Well, you know, there's uh, there's several medications that we use for the management of substance use disorders. We have medications for the use of alcohol use disorders and its treatment. Um, probably the best known is uh, naltrexone or Revia. It's a medication that a person takes one time per day, and they don't actually get sick if they 
drink while taking this medicine, but it helps to decrease the craving or the desire to drink alcohol. A second medication we have is acamprosate or Camprol. This is a medication that you actually have to take three times a day, so it's a little bit harder for some patients to remember. And it decreases the average number of heavy drinking days. And so with the first and second medication, it doesn't necessarily push for abstinence, but it helps the person to perhaps control their use of drinking. We have a third medication which has been around, oh, for a, a long time. It's called Antibuse or Disulfiram. <clears throat> with that medication, if you drink any alcohol, while taking this medicine, you get sick as a dog. I mean flushed face, throwing up on the floor, cramps. It is a, it is a punishing medicine. And actually, it's a medication that I rarely, rarely prescribe these days. Uh, the acamprosate and the naltrexone, I do prescribe um, much more frequently than I do for the other medication. Um, now, when it comes for the treatment of opiate use disorder, we actually have a couple of medications which can be used. At the Choctaw Health Center, we have two available uh, for them. There's one medication, again, which has been around forever, which is called methadone. Uh, you have to receive methadone from a, a federally licensed specialty clinic. Uh, and here in Mississippi, I believe we have two, and they're pretty close to Jackson there. Um, but here at the Choctaw Health Center, we can do what's referred to as medication-assisted treatment, which is the prescription of medications as an outpatient. And we have uh, the two medications are buprenorphine and combinations of that. Most people may recognize the term suboxone because that's a more common term for one of the forms of uh, buprenorphine. And that is a medication that we're able to use to help people um, with their desire and urges to use opiates. We also have naltrexate, which actually blocks the effects of opiate medications and to some degree medicines like heroin, fentanyl, um, and sufentanil. So we have a variety of different medications that we can use and that are FDA approved. We use a different additional medications to treat like depression and anxiety that are often uh, bound up with substance use. Thank you, Dr. Gordon. Um, <clears throat> I heard you talk a little bit about some of the medications. Are these drugs long-term solutions? Well, the methadone maintenance is one just by its mere term, maintenance, is sort of meant to be used for longer term. With all of our treatment options, we would like to have our patients on the fewest medications at the lowest doses as possible that lets, lets them live full, uh, full lives there. Um, but what we have seen is that with the prescription of buprenorphine or suboxone, in honest truth, it looks like longer is better. So oftentimes, um, while the FDA may recommend up to a year, we're finding two or more years is often helpful and needed for some patients to maintain long-term sobriety. I will tell you, in my personal practice, I don't think I have had a single patient who has stopped the Suboxone and not relapsed. So its long-term use uh, has been clearly helpful for people maintaining that. Uh, the other medications when it comes for the treatment of alcohol use disorder are more often short-term, like 6 to 12 months. Okay. Thank you. Um, would you say those medications, are they used with adolescents or, or only adults? Or Well, all of the medications that I've described are actually approved for uh, people over the age of 18. But in my personal uh, experience, I would be willing to prescribe these medications to uh, adolescents in a closely supervised and monitored setting. So whether it be um, in an intensive outpatient program or uh, closely followed 
outpatient, I would I think I would be okay with that. But I would want very, very close um, supervision. And I'd want to make sure that the parents and the individual understood that the FDA did not recommend these or had not approved these medications for their age. But if the circumstance needed it, I would give it. Thank you, Dr. Gordon. That makes a lot of sense. And that was very helpful. Um, thank you for discussing some of those medical options. I think it's important to note that there are some other interventions that could be helpful, um, such as AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, or Narcotics Anonymous, um, mutual help groups. And then there's also peer recovery support services that are helpful. A lot of times the peer support services, they help individuals to link up with groups and one-on-one um, peer leaders who have direct experience with addictions and recovery. Um, for adolescents, there are also recovery high schools. There are about 38 recovery high schools in the United States at this time, and they are high schools specifically designed for students recovering from some substance abuse issues. Um, so Claire, as a person in recovery, can you talk to us about your role as a peer support specialist and sponsorship? Okay, um, peer support specialist, Elliot, but um, it's more like um, having to live the experience to help people head about um since now that I'm recovered, um, my interest was like in helping other people that want help but can't seek help uh, because of probably fear of being judged mm -hmm. or not knowing what recovery is like, you know, based on fear, I'm a, you know, to make those changes. Um, you know, there is hope, you know. Things are normal out of Magosh, not normal kia. Once you realize that uh, there's a different part of life, you know, when you stop drinking and you make changes, you know, there's a better life. And most people, are, they don't see that. And when they don't see that, what their norm is, uh, what they're used to uh, by doing the things that they've been doing all their life. But yeah, peer support specialist. Um, it's it's about helping people and connecting with people, and having empathy. You know, uh, that's where I'm at, and you know, trying to help people and understand them and not being judgmental, because uh, it's not easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I heard you say that that there is hope. Um, how many years do you have in recovery? Um, seven over seven years. Um. But I probably tried like three, three or four times, you know, mm -hmm. before. Um, and it wasn't easy. <laughs> like I said, you know, it was normal for me to live that uh, drinking life. Uh, and that was basically pretty much my life. So um, when the first try of my, um, I thought I got a grasp of it. It, uh, I thought I could do it on my own. Mm. And then um, when I was sober, like three three months or something like that, then I started going back to the places, you know, that I was used to and stuff like that. And just uh, reaching out to people that I was hanging out with and stuff like that. And then I fell right back into, you know, where I started. And then the second try came and... That second try was the same thing. <laughs> Thought I could do it on my own, but I couldn't. And the third try, 
it was the same thing, but it was different now because now no, um, I had my kids and everything like that. So as each try, um, it, it, it started being different. Mm -hmm. And then the third try, it was like more focusing on my kids and stuff like that. Then that made a major impact on really want to change. And uh, I guess I would say the fourth try is when I really made a difference. Because then I started seeing, um, I wanted a different different way of life for my kids. And I want their life to be better than mine. So um, I guess that's when, no, I, I didn't guess. That's when I really started being serious about my recovery. So, um, well, you know, I, as a certified peer support specialist, you know, Claire is the master teacher because she's walked the walk. Mm -hmm. She knows the journey. Yes. And she can have true empathy and compassion for those individuals when they're starting this to know how hard it is. Most definitely. And and having that support system in place, whether it be friends, family, or a supportive group. And actually, there is no program that has a higher success rate than AA, the 12-step groups themselves. So uh, as I like to tell my patients, you know, don't just put your butt in a chair. You know, participate when you're there. You know, put a buck in the coffee can, even if you don't you drink the coffee, because it is one of the best long-term programs to main sobriety. And Claire's story is not unique at all. Part of the journey to recovery is relapse. Actually, it's one of the things that we fully anticipate and try to prepare and plan for. And as Claire talked about, persons, places, and situations put her in a, in a in a situation where she was at a higher risk for relapse. Mm -hmm. And I assure you, she took each and every step, each and every time seriously. I know she said on the fourth time she got serious, but on the fourth time she got success. So one, two, three, four, statistically only one out of eight make it a year long. And we don't want to focus on the numbers, we want to focus on the success because treatment does work. The majority of patients who could benefit from mental health treatments or substance use treatment don't come. 75, 80% of people who could benefit don't come. And that's part of why we're here today, to educate and inform our listeners that there is help available. And again, not only here at the Choctaw Health Center, uh, which our telephone number is 601-389-4150, but also nationwide, there is a telephone number, and that's 1-800-662-HELP, uh, 1-800-662-HELP. Uh, or four three five seven. Yeah, I, I think I think what Claire talked about is very important. Um, and like Dr. Gordon said, you do have to participate. You know, that's the thing about treatment. You have to participate and be there and be active for it to work. Um, Claire, you talked a little bit about some of the the struggles and saying that you know it was not an easy uh, journey. Can you talk a little bit about some of those challenges um, that you had on your road to recovery? Uh, some of the struggles, um, maybe the biggest one was um, seeking help because I like doing things on my own and having to ask for help, uh, it was kind of difficult um, because the fear of being judged, uh, not trusting nobody, um, and just and just being stubborn <laughs> and pride because like I said you know I like doing things on my own 
Um, that's all I did all my life, doing things on my own. And another struggle was like um, probably, you know, being a single parent because it was overwhelming mm -hmm. and having not to cope, having not knowing to cope and deal with life, life stressors. And the easy way out was um, the easiest thing was to go back to what you know, all what you know. And when I when I became sober, um, it was like a battle. You mm -hmm. know, I want to stay sober, but you know it's easy right here because I didn't want to work at it. So. It was like a battlefield of the mind, and it wasn't easy, but, you know, once you gain that strength and you find that hope and that you know that there's a better, brighter side to staying sober, then that's what made difference and having to look at your kids and having wanna them to have a good life. Yeah, you know, so. Claire, I've I've known you for close to twenty years, I think. And I've I've seen you go through that struggles. You are not a weak person. Sometimes stubbornness is determination pointed in the wrong way, girl. You know, but otherwise <laughs> I have seen how hard you work. I respect that. And again, the stigma uh, of mental health, the stigma of getting help. You know, it's a sign of strength and courage to reach out like you did, not a sign of weakness. And that's part of why we're here today, to encourage our listeners to understand we are here. Mm -hmm. We are here. There is help available. Yes. Yes. Um, I think talking about some of those challenges um, brings me to my next point, that we are beginning to get into the holiday season. And for a lot of people, the holidays can be a stressful and lonely time for people. It can also bring up painful memories, um, difficult emotions to process. And so just to kind of go through some ways to stay sober during the holidays, making sure that your basic needs are met, making sure you're getting enough sleep, you're eating, um, you're doing things to help reduce stress like meditating and exercising. Make a list of the, the people who, you, who love and support you, the people that you consider to be your support system. Um, and call them if you start to feel down or lonely during the holiday season. Also, create new activities that do not revolve around alcohol and drug use, like decorating cookies, watching movies. Make a backup plan or escape plan if you find yourself in a situation where you may feel pressured to drink or use or that you may be experiencing a craving. Um, also, prepare for how you will respond if somebody tries to offer you alcohol or drugs. A lot of times, um, rehearsing your response makes it easier to say no when people offer you alcohol or drugs. Um, volunteering your time can help boost your self-esteem and also your well-being. Um, remember to focus on things that you are thankful for. Avoid the people, places, and things that can put you at risk for relapse like Dr. Gordon was talking about earlier. And also, it's okay to tell people that you are in recovery. This can keep your family and your friends from leading you into, into temptation without intending to. So if they know that you're in recovery, they're less likely to offer you alcohol and drugs. And then seek out recovery support wherever you are. There are mobile apps that can um, help you with that if you are one of these people that travel during the holidays. Um, one app is a meeting guide app, and it searches for recovery meetings by location. So if you travel, you can look up a location and go to an AA meeting. 
Um, Sober Grid is an app that allows you to interact, support, and engage with other people in recovery. And also there's an app called In The Rooms app. And it offers free recovery tools and 130 weekly online sessions that you can um, use if you're recovering from addictions or other related issues. So just to kind of recap, National Recovery Month is about celebrating people in recovery and also bringing awareness and understanding to addiction and mental disorders. It also is about encouraging those struggling with substance misuse to seek professional help. Today we covered a number of treatment options as well as relapse prevention strategies that can be used when facing challenges. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And we look forward to uh, being able to speak with you in the future, very near future. We're going to be uh, talking about opiate use disorder and our tribal opiate response uh, program and services that we have available here at the uh, Choctaw Behavioral Health Center. And again, our telephone number, 601-389-4150. More information on today's topic or Nanaka Apila Chinama Chakta Behavioral Health, Ogla Imaya, we are here. Yamahash Kalana, 601-389-4150. Again, 601-389-4150. Next week, a helpful topic is to Lapila Hadoga Falamadia Toglaj. Hashaglajige, <laughs> Nanimago <laughs> <laughs>